We're in a, in a short series right now called Demonstrating Trust. And the Lord gave me this a while ago. And it was just, Lord, you know, what's the timing? When do you want this word to come about? So we've actually been in the midst of this for about four weeks. But we, we haven't had four weeks of messages. In today's message, which will be demonstrating trust, tithes, and giving, there'll be a theme um, throughout this message of test, of testing. It's the Lord gave each one of you a test right now. And let's just think of it in terms of school. Let's just, you know, the teacher passing out, you know, a test and you get the number two pencil and you've got it in front of you. If you pass the test, then you see advancement. Advancement to the next grade, advancement to the next class, you see promotion. If you fail the test, this teacher is so good and so kind and so desperately wants you to have advancement and promotion that you get to take the test again. Possibly again. And I know some of the people in this room and then possibly again and again and again. The Lord gives us the opportunity to pass the test, but the Lord always gives us tests for promotion. He wants to promote us. He wants to advance us. He wants to heap blessings upon us that He can trust us with. He wants to, to present us with opportunities for, for ministry, for touching people's lives, but He's got to know that, that He can trust us with those people's lives. So the Lord tests us. It's all throughout the Word. All throughout the Word. And no one was exempt. You're not exempt from testing. I'm not exempt from testing. Jesus wasn't exempt from testing. Adam and Eve, they're placed in the garden. God says, I want you to reign with me. I want you to govern with me. I created you to rule and to reign with me. All of this is yours. All of it's yours. I want you to name animals. I want you, we're going to rule and reign and I want you to do it with me. All of it's yours. Except for this right here. Except for that. Everything else is yours. We're going to rule and reign together. This is for you. Look at how beautiful it is, how great it is. It's going to even get better. It's all yours. Except that. Leave that tree alone. Do not eat from that tree. What was that? That was a test. The Father, after Jesus was baptized, and when Jesus came out of the water, a voice from heaven came audibly, and physically the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus, and the voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, in him I'm well pleased. That speaks to that speaks to identity. This is my son, whom I love. It speaks to affection and love. In him I'm well pleased. It speaks to favor. And just so you guys know, God speaks that to us too. He doesn't just speak that to Jesus. He speaks that to us as well. And when the Father spoke that, Jesus hadn't done a single miracle yet. He hadn't he hadn't preached a, a mountaintop sermon yet. And immediately after those words, what does the Father do? 
he sends Jesus into the wilderness to be tested for 40 days. I preached a few weeks ago about Jesus saying, let's get into the boat and go to the other side. It was Jesus' idea to get into the boat. Not just that one boat he was in, but the other boats that the other followers of Jesus got in the boats and they went to the other side and they encountered a tsunami. Earthquake-like shakings on the water. It was dark, it was terrifying, and it was all Jesus' idea. He's the one who said, let's get in the boat, let's go to the other side. You and I are not exempt from testing. Isaac and Abraham. I don't know if that's one of my favorite stories in the Bible or if that's one of the, it's like one of the most horrific stories in the Bible because you and I, we personalize it. We think, what if the Lord puts me through a test like that? But a test to see if he would be obedient and if he would trust God to fulfill the promises for future generations, the father of all nations. That, that he would trust the God enough to raise his son from the dead, even if he died at his own hand. It's a horrific story, but it's an incredible story. It's an incredible story of God's faithfulness. Last week I talked about trust. Will we trust God enough that in the midst of our busy schedules and all the things that need to take place and all the the Facebook posts that we've got to like or that we've got to heart or that we've got to be sad about or frowny about or what, you know, there's so many options now with a post on Facebook. There's so much work to be done. There's so many tasks. There's so many things. Will we trust God enough that we will rest one day and trust him that he and his multiplication will be active in our life where that all the things that need to be done will get done. Will we trust him and will we demonstrate that trust by resting? Today, I'm talking about tithing and giving and I want to say they're different. They're two different things. Tithing and giving are different. But we're still talking about the theme of demonstrating trust. Will we demonstrate our trust? Action. Belief. Demonstrate it. So a few weeks ago, um, there was a friend of mine that came to church, Tony, and he uh, walked in here just battling cancer, and we never got to a preach, we never got to announcements. Um, I called him up here, we prayed for him, we laid hands. Melody had just this powerful word from the Lord, and we responded to that, and we demonstrated our trust. We demonstrated our trust and, and we prayed and by the time we were done, you know, we'd had church. There was no need to go to a preach. There was no need to do anything else. So it's interesting. At the end of that time, after we prayed for Tony, I asked if anyone else needed prayer and several of us raised our hands and there were some dudes that prayed for me and Tony who had gone and sat back down. He came back up and he laid hands on my knee. And, and, he, and he prayed. I thought that was just amazing. I know some of you did too. I've, I've heard reports. So Friday morning, Tony passed away and went to be with Jesus. And, and I'm certain of this. 
He is with Jesus. Because through this cancer, we've had opportunities to sit and talk. And he can tell you where he was and how, what the year it was and where he was at when he gave his life to the Lord. And he said, but I haven't lived my life for the Lord. So I told him the story about the prodigal son and how the prodigal son had this incredible monologue planned where he would go back to the father and present his monologue. And as soon as the father saw him, he had no time for the monologue. He was too busy hugging him and putting a robe on him and putting a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet and saying, party time. My son was dead and now he's alive. And I said, you don't have to prepare a monologue with our father. All you got to do is, is just you know, return to his arms of grace. I said, will you just do that right now? He's like, how? I'm like, you just do. You just do. You just, you just say, Lord, I, I come to you and I receive your grace. And I believe you've forgiven me as I forgive myself. And he did that. Tony's with Jesus right now. And I'm conflicted because I, I wanted to see the miraculous. I wanted to see him healed. Now, what's, what's amazing to me, my knee was healed. I wore a brace. I played 18 holes of golf on Friday. Bad golf, but I played golf on Friday. God healed my knee that day. But he didn't heal the cancer. I don't understand, but I trust. Friends, we have to understand there's a big difference between understanding and trust. We're not always going to understand everything. We're just not. There's things that, that I don't have answers for. If you come to me and say, why this? There are things that my honest answer is going to be, I don't know. And even if I seek the word, I'm not going to find it in the word. I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. I don't understand. But we have to demonstrate our trust. And I'm telling you right now, the things we spoke, the things we prophesied, the things we declared, the actions that we that we laid in place that day up here when we were praying for Tony. I believe it was a test. I believe it was a test for advancement for this church. Are you going to trust me enough to be foolish for me? Are you going to trust me enough to, to obey when I give you a word? Are you going to trust me enough to scrap your service and to pray for one dude for 40 minutes? Are you going to trust me? Are you going to demonstrate that trust? I'm not going to lie to you. And, and I, I think some of you are, you're going to be facing the test of how, and, and I think, I, I think Karen and I, I think our eldership is facing the test as well. How do we respond to last week's announcement? Do we continue? Because I believe that service was very honoring. I believe our father was honored. I believe, I believe people were honored. I believe we honored ourselves. Do we continue to honor? That, I believe that's the test we have. The test with you guys. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to chicken little? And the sky is falling. Are you going to gossip? Are you, I mean, honestly, I feel like there's tests. What are you going to do with those tests? Anything that is not faith is what? Sin. Our response has to be in faith. We trust our God. We don't always understand, but we trust our God. And today I'm talking about trusting God with the tithe. I'm talking about trusting God that 100% of our income in our control is less than 90% 
of our income in God's control. That's what we're trusting. When we're tithing, tithe means tenth. Tenth is a, is a tenth of our income. The Bible says that the tithe belongs to the Lord. The tithe is not ours. The tithe is not ours. There's blessing in the tithe. There is reward in the tithe. The tithe is not some heavy thing that should have gotten abolished. Because I'll hear people say, well, didn't that get abolished, you know, you know, with the new covenants? Why would God abolish something so good? It's like God abolishing kisses. I'm abolishing kisses. But Lord, kisses are awesome. Butterfly kisses and Eskimo kisses and fish kisses. And, you know, every, they're all... The Lord's not going to abolish something that's to our benefit that brings blessing. But I will say this. I find it very curious, the test of tithing. Because see, he takes 100% and he drops it in our lap and he says, there you go. Ten of that's mine. But I want to see what you'll do with it. I want to see what you'll do with that 10% if you'll return it to me. And every time there's a test and every time that test is for advancement, I want to make something abundantly clear, guys. Money is one of, the, one of those weighty things. I used to be so uncomfortable talking about money. I am not uncomfortable talking about money. I am not uncomfortable talking about tithing. I am not uncomfortable talking about giving. I'm not. And you shouldn't be either. But yet fear grips us when we talk about money. Fear grips us when we talk about tithe because the enemy uses fear to keep us from walking in the blessing. Fear of what? Fear of not having enough. What did, what did you say, Diane? Fear of lack. Fear of lack. Fear of not having enough. Fear of uh, betrayal. Maybe we've, we've seen it misused in churches. You know, maybe we've seen, you know, uh, we've all heard of televangelists and how, you know, what they did. And that preacher going to steal my money and you're going to use it on crack. <laughs> I don't know. What else? I mean... I don't know, but whatever. Fear. Guys, one of the most powerful statements I plan on making today is this. If we won't trust the Lord with the tithe, if we won't return the tithe, we place something upon our shoulders that is too heavy for any of us to carry. And that's the burden of being provider. If we won't trust God with being the provider, what we, we place upon us, the burden of being a provider, the burden of being protected of our funds. Because in Malachi, it says that God, that when we tithe, he'll protect our funds. He'll protect our resources. He'll open up, you know, the, the, the windows of heaven. And when we don't tithe, what we do is we place this thing that we were never meant to carry, this heaviness of being provider. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And it's not ours to carry. If we do not tithe, we're carrying too much and we will be crushed under the weight. And let me say this. So will our relationship. Our relationships will be crushed under the weight of this. I said it last week. This truth is less about resources and more about relationships. If we're not tithing, here's, how I, here's just how I see 
and how I've seen throughout the years relationships crushed by this. Number one, the relationship with God. God, you're not providing. I told you if you'd provide, I'd start tithing. And you never started. You never, you didn't give me that raise. And you didn't bring that increase. And Lord, so I'm not going to tithe because you, because, and we get it backwards. See, we make this bargain with God. Lord, if you do this first, then I'll tithe. And that is not scriptural, friends. Lord, if, if you show your, you know, if you, if you um, tithe, then I'll really believe you're real. And, uh, and then I'll tithe. And the Lord's like, hold on a second. I'm the one testing you. You're not the one testing me. But if you'll give to me, just because I'm a good God, this is God speaking. If you give to me, I will let you try me in this and see if I will not be who I say I am and I will not do who I say, you know, who I said I'll be. So our relationship with God gets strained. Our relationship with our spouse gets strained. Anyone want to take a guess at the number one topic of marital spat might be? Finances. Finances. Our relationship with our kids gets strained. Why? Because we're the provider and I can't take that day to my kid. Uh, I've got to work extra. I've got to work later. I've got to work over. I've got to make sure that ends meet. I'm the provider. And then we spend less time with our kids and when we do, we're not fully engaged and we're not fully present because our mind is somewhere else. Because we're carrying the heaviness of being provider and protector that is not ours to carry. Is this, does this make sense at all? This truth is as much about relationships as it is resources. God cares about our relationships. Here's a good question. If I'm the provider, or if you're the provider, how much is enough? How much is enough? If God is the provider then there's this trust that's built in that says what he provides is enough. He will meet all my needs according to his riches and in glory. Trust that is not demonstrated is no trust at all. I can tell you right now, the, the two truths that I have preached over the last week, the demonstration of trust and rest and the demonstration of trust in tithing and offerings, I didn't always have that. I, 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 I'm, I'm proud to say I'm doing great. Just I, I have victory in these areas and I see blessing in these areas, but I didn't always have it because fear at one point gripped me where that I didn't do either very well because it was self-reliance and it was, it was fear instead of trust. You guys, you cannot live by both faith and fear. We can't do it. And, and if we do it, that's no living at all. We're to live our lives in faith. In faith in Christ Jesus. And, and, and I, that's not necessarily easy. Walking in faith, walking in integrity, walking in character is not the easy road. It's the hard road. So let's talk about giving. Let's talk about tithing. In a, in a bit, I'll, I'll share just a personal story of, from my life. But as Christians, we are followers of Christ, right? We're followers of Christ. 
That means that Jesus is our leader. He leads, we follow. Author and the finisher of our faith, we trust him in our lives. We trust him to faithful to complete the work that he's begun in us. Friends, there's a joy. Now, now hear, me, hear me on this. There's a joy that's supposed to coincide with our giving. And if we don't have that joy, it's a red flag from the Holy Spirit saying there's something in our life that needs to be healed or that we need to be delivered of. I'm going to say it again. Joy is supposed to be the natural response we feel when we give, when we return the tithe and when we give. It's supposed to be joyful. That's the natural response. And if we don't feel joy when we're giving, it's a red flag from the Holy Spirit saying something in you needs to be healed. There's an area that that you're needing to be delivered from, a bondage, a stronghold, a something, a fear, fear. I should have given you guys suckers or something today. I don't see a smile in the place. Knock, knock. I'm just kidding. I don't have a knock, knock. But there's freedom in it. There's meant to be joy. Acts 20.35 says this. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That word blessed is translated as joyful. It is more joyful to give than to receive. So let me go ahead and make it just a practical example. And so I'll just go ahead and point out um, parents, but I think it applies to everybody. But let's just talk about parents. Parents, Christmas morning, you're gathered around the tree with your with your family. Your kids are around you. And you and you can't wait to see what I can't wait to see what my presents are is that the right answer we are chomping at the bit and we can't wait to see our kids open their presents and to see the look on their face and to see the joy and we're chomping at the bit and someone hands us a present we're like oh that's great that's great oh my gosh I love it I love it open that one right why because it's more joyful to give than to receive that's the truth that's the truth this isn't something to be put on a magnet and sold at a Christian bookstore it's a truth It is more joyful to give than to receive. And if we experience anxiety when we're giving, it's a red flag saying, something in your heart just needs to be touched because this is meant to be fun. And God's our healer. And Jesus is our deliverer. And we don't happen to walk in bondage to that. What's the difference between tithing and giving? Tithing is returning 10%. We don't give the tithe. The tithe is the Lord's. He gifts us with 90%. We return the tithes to Him. Tithing. It's not a cuss word. It's not the T word. 
It's not the T word. I'm not talking about something bad. Leviticus 27.30 says this, Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the first uh, or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. It is set apart to the Lord. We read the same thing last week about resting. That resting, the, the Sabbath that's holy to the Lord and holy for us. It's set apart to the Lord and set apart for us. And we see the same thing about the tithes. And whether or not you tithe does not change this truth. The tithe belongs to the Lord. To the Lord. Whether you tithe or not, it's His. Whether I tithe or not, a tenth of what I have is His. Malachi 3.6 says this, For I, the Lord, do not change. Now, I preached here recently that the Lord changes His mind. We see all throughout Scripture that, that He changes His mind, especially when it comes to like like discipline and punishment and and wiping away Nineveh and doing those kind of things. He changes his mind. But God never changes his character. He never changes his integrity. He never changes who he is. But he does change his mind. And our prayers can be instrumental in changing his mind. But right here he says, For I, the Lord, do not change. So let's hear what, he wants to, what he's talking about. He's obviously got something really important to say. For I, the Lord, do not change. And I think he's addressing... the. Even us today going, yeah, you know, the tithe isn't for today. Uh, for I, the Lord, do not change. Next verse. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how should we return? Interesting, right? Return to me and I'll return to you. Lord, we haven't gone anywhere. No, your heart's not. I don't have your heart. Well, of course you do. Of course you do, Lord. How can I return my heart to you? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions or your tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you are not robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house says you are cursed with a curse. I believe that curse is is carrying the heaviness of us being the provider. I believe that curse is us carrying the weight of I'm the provider, I'm the protector of funds, I don't trust God, I trust me more. And I believe it is a curse. Has anyone actually said those words, like audibly? It sounds ridiculous. Even the words coming out of my mouth, it sounds ridiculous. Who would say, I'm more faithful than God? I'm better with money than God. I'm more generous than God. But that's, that must be what we believe when we take our hearts and we, and we remove it from Him because we say, I trust me more than God. And I'm going to demonstrate my trust in me more than God. And because of it, we carry the weight of being a provider, of being the provider. Real quick, just so you know what the tithe pays for. When we look in Scripture, the tithe went to the Levites, the, the tithe went to the priesthood. It paid for the, for the income of the priesthood. 
So what does the tithe pay for at Impact Rock? It pays for this building. It pays for the lights. It pays for our insurance. It pays the, the salary that Kara and I share. It pays for a bookkeeper. It, I mean, those type of things. Next verse. And thereby put me to the test. This is the only place in the word where Jesus says, test me in this. Put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. We got it backwards, guys. We think I want to take care of all the needs first and then I'll start tithing. And God says your, your needs aren't going to be met until you tithe. You're not going to have enough. How much is enough? I don't know, but it ain't going to be enough until you start trusting me with your finances. So you start trusting me with your life. He says, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. That's protection. And your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Talking about productivity. Production, productivity, protection. God says, I've got this if you'll trust me. Then all the nations will call you blessed. What does blessed mean? Joyful. All the nations will call you joyful. For you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, how have we spoken against you? This is how the Lord responds. You've said it's vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but but they put God to the test and they escape. Friends, there's nothing in vain. There's nothing worthless about serving God. There's, there's not. None of it's in vain. There's nothing worthless about trusting God. I don't feel foolish in the least for trusting God when we stood up here and we prayed over Tony. I don't I, I don't like the outcome. I, I would have preferred in my vast array of wisdom, I would have preferred my desired outcome to be that that he was healed miraculously he healed from that cancer. But because the outcome's different, I am not going to waver in my trust of God. If we waver every time the outcome is not what we want it to be, friends, that is not faith. That is living by fear. Romans 10, 11 says this. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And then verse 13 says, everyone who calls on the name, on the character of the Lord will be saved. We've got to trust his name. We've got to trust his character. We've got to trust his faithfulness. Gosh, you know, I I vividly remember a conversation I had with Michael where we talked about control. And after my sabbatical, I came back and I'm like, man, the Lord's just set me free on something that, that I don't have to be in control. I don't have to be in control. I don't have to like, I don't have to like the outcome of things, but I'm not in control. God is. And I'm going to trust Him. 
and I'm not going to try and micromanage or, or, or control the outcome of things. I'm going to trust the Lord. Because you know what? That's exhausting. That's exhausting. If we're the one in control, it's exhausting. If God's the one in control, there's freedom. If we're the one that's provider, it's heavy. If God's the one that's provider, then there's blessing. God tests us to check the state of our hearts to see if we can be trusted with promotion, to see if we can be trusted with even more. Proverbs 17, 2 and 3 says this, a servant who deals wisely will rule over a son who acts shamefully and will share the inheritance as one of the brothers. The crucible is for silver and the furnace is for gold and the Lord tests hearts. James 1, 2 through 4 says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials. What is a trial? It's a test. It's a proving. Count it all joy, my brothers. There's that word joy again when we talk about tests. When you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God tests us for promotion, and a lot of times that testing for promotion We see it in Scripture right here in James. It includes endurance because He doesn't want us to quit. He doesn't want us to lose heart. He doesn't want us to waver in our testimony of the faithfulness of God. See, if we lose it in our heart, if we we start to think He's not faithful, then it quickly translates to our lips and we won't tell people about the faithfulness and the goodness of God. If if we're not convinced, then we're not going to talk about it. If we're not convinced of the faithfulness of God, we sure ain't going to talk about it. We're not going to fulfill the Great Commission, the Good Commission, a couple of decent commissions, any commission. If we're not convinced of the love of God, there's not going to be action that points people to Jesus. So I've got a story about giving, and we're going to transition to giving. Over a decade ago, uh, my wife's grandma uh, passed away. Uh, Clark's mom passed away, and, and she left a sizable inheritance to all the grandkids. And at the time, we weren't making very much money at all. I mean, we, we it was, we didn't make jack. I mean, we were, yeah, it was, we were pretty broke. So we right away paid a couple of bills that we had, and, and, and then we, there was just quite a bit. I mean, we just did a couple of things, and it was, the bulk of it was left. And Karen and I started talking about um, what we should do with that money. And Kara says, we should give it to the Lord. I'm like, that idea is horrible. That idea is just horrible. She's like, We've never had an opportunity to sow a seed like this before. We've never had this much money where that we can put God to the test, where that we can give and we can trust Him with it and we can trust Him for the return. And I don't mind saying at this time, I, I was not a cheerful giver. At this time, I, I did not give cheerfully. I, I really didn't grab a hold of the revelation of that tithing is good. I really did see it as obligation. I'm just being honest with you. 
So we're talking through it. And what my wife does is she starts reminding me of who Jesus is. She reminds me that I'm not more generous than Jesus. She reminds me that I'm better, or that Jesus is better with money than I am. She reminds me in just loving, gentle ways that he's more trustworthy than I am and that he's our provider and it's not me. And the more she talked to me about Jesus, the more I believed it, the more I remembered, the more that his scripture came alive in my heart. And what started off as fear, because I did, I was like, no, we need this. We need this. We, We don't have enough. I did. That was my response. And I'm just trying to taper the response because I don't want to like throw a, a wet towel on, on, on her enthusiasm. But the more she started reminding me of who Jesus is, the more I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got so excited. It was like 10-something at night. I'm like, I'm going to call Pastor Allen and tell him to come over right now. We want to give this gift right now. And Kara's like, no, we can't do it now. I'm like, yes, yes, right now. And we called Alan Judy. And we're like, can you come over? Can you come over to the house? And I was like, what's the matter? What's wrong? I'm like, nothing's wrong. It's really good. But let's do it right now. And he and Judy came over. And I don't think he believed me that it wasn't bad. Because he's like, hey, Mark, is everything okay? Like, you know, we're here. We were so excited to give, we couldn't contain ourselves. Because it's more joyful to give than it is to receive. And once we started reminding ourselves of who God was, and we wrote out the check for the entirety of, of what was there, and it was it was the majority of it. And we did so with joy, and we did so with faith. And we're like, open it, open it! We were like that, that parent on Christmas, you know, or anyone. I mean, like Acacia is a great gift giver. She, she's like that. Open my gift, open my gift. You know, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And when Pastor Al opened it, I saw this confused look on his face like, you don't make any money. You are broke. So are the cops on their way? Did you, I mean, what happened? And, and we said, yeah. And we just kind of told the story. And he just cried with us. He's like, man. That, that is awesome. And it was, it felt so good. I'm telling you the story to tell you it felt so good. But now let me tell you the rest of the story. From that time, like we were given two different cars at two different times that were better than the best car we had. We had a car break down. Someone goes, here's a car. And they'd give us a car better than the best thing we had in our garage. That happened twice. The Lord has me close my my marketing firm because it just wasn't real profitable. Partnered with another, you know, a few other guys and opened a new business. Made over four times the amount that I ever made during my best year with Harper Design. I mean, just... And, and I'm like, what, what did I do to deserve this? Nothing. It was just the favor of God. It was the favor of God. And because money was no longer just this this God in our life. We were able to give hugely for years. We gave. It was wonderful. It was it was wonderful. We just write checks for big amounts all the time and just like, here you go. Because of the money we made, 
we were able to, to help sow into the kingdom and planting this church. And then there came a point when God's like, will you walk away from that and will you pastor this church and will you, will you walk away from that? Will you walk away from that salary and, and do my work 100% and trust me? But because money was not a God in my life anymore, even that, and, you know, I, I had to think about it. I'm like, Lord, that's, that's, I mean, I've been able to do a lot of good things with this money. And I haven't bought a boat yet. <laughs> and that's still. But we did. And now the ways we get to give, now see, we still, we still tithe, we still give offerings, we, but we have a, a lifestyle of generosity that's never been more obvious in ministry. See, I get to give hope. I get to give peace. I get to give the love of God. I get to give the good news of Jesus Christ. I get to give restoration and reconciliation. I, you know, I get to, you know, through, through the, the work of Jesus Christ, my whole lifestyle is a lifestyle of giving, but I didn't receive that promotion until, until fear was defeated in my life, fear of not having enough. When I'm speaking to you guys, I'm not speaking to you as someone who hasn't been there and done that. This is not book knowledge. This is life knowledge. I've been there, I've done that, and, and I'm, I'm there right now. But our God is trustworthy, and I am not more generous than Him, and neither are you. And I'm not more trustworthy than Him, and neither are you. And I'm not stronger than Him, and neither are you. And I'm not a better protector than Him, and neither are you. And I'm not a better provider than Him, and neither are you. But yet, so many times, we live our lives in fear, thinking, I'm more generous, I'm a better provider, I'm better with money than than God is. And we live in bondage and we carry the hate of that, the weight of that, and the heaviness of that. A person that does not understand the blessing that comes with tithing has thrust upon them the heaviness of being the provider for the rest of their lives. You guys, does that scare the heck out of you? Does that scare the heck out of you? Carrying the weight of being the provider for the rest of your lives? Like that, that makes me nervous as can be. I do not want to do that. How do we not do that? We return, we, we pass the test. We, re, we return the tithe to the Lord and we trust Him with it. I was listening to a Carl Reiner, he's a ninety-something-year-old comedian and writer, and you know, has won Emmys, and he's just just a, a funny, funny old guy. And he was telling about this research that that the happiest people today are people who spend six hours a day interacting with people, and that are disconnected from. And he specifically, this isn't, you know, I soapbox. But this, this is Carl Reiner, okay? He's like, they're disconnected from Facebook and social media. And they're not interacting with people via social media. They're interacting with people over a cup of coffee or over breakfast or over happy hour. There's so much in, in our face and in our world that is negative. And honestly, I just think Facebook is the worst of it. I think social media is just horrible. Anyone have an opinion on Trump? Send. 
You guys, we have to demonstrate our trust. Golly gee. Walking around carrying carrying the weight of control, it's so heavy. I'm so glad I'm not doing that anymore. It was so heavy. Looking back, it was so heavy. When I thought I was the one that was responsible for either the work being done on this church or the growth of this church or the provision for my family, when I thought I was the one in control and that I was the one that had to succeed, otherwise everything in my life failed, that was so heavy. That was so heavy. It's not on me. I'm just going to keep pointing people to Jesus. I'm just going to keep doing the things that God has told me to do. And one of the things he's told me to do is tithe. It's in his word. It's all throughout it. Jesus talks about it. And Jesus didn't abolish it. There's been like a four times in my preach where I'm like, bring it down, Mark. Bring it down. Like you're too passionate. Bring it down. And, I, and I'm, I'm not passionate because I'm talking about money. I'm not passionate because I want there to be more money at church. I'm not... I'm passionate because I want to see my friends and you guys are my friends and my family. I want to see you thrive and there's blessing in it. And we don't give to be blessed. We don't. We don't give to be blessed. We give because we are blessed. That is why we give. Because we're blessed and we trust God. And we're joyful and blessed because we trust God. Do you guys see how this works? And I'm just going to keep on trusting God. And I don't care what what comes this church's way. I'm just going to keep on trusting God. My eyes are on Him. And I'm going to trust God for my family. And I I don't care what comes my family's way. And i got three teenagers. There's a lot that comes my family's way. But we're just going to keep our eyes on Jesus. He is our source. And He's the provider of my kids. And the protector of my kids. And and the protector of my marriage and my wife. And I'm just going to keep my eyes set on Jesus. And friends, that's what we're supposed to do. Amen? If there's an area of your life you haven't trusted Jesus in, just trust Him right now. Just as simple as that. Change your mind. Just just change your mind and say, Lord, I trust you. Is it with your giving? Is it with your marriage? Is it with your kids? Is it with your finances? Is it all of the above? Sorry, baby. I mean, I, I, our marriage is good. Happy 20th anniversary. I love you. Just change your mind. That's what repent means. Just change your mind and agree with God and then demonstrate that agreement in action because faith without works is dead. There's, we're going to have baskets, you know, back near the doors. If giving, if, if it's been fear-based and there's not, and there, there has, there's not joy in giving, Maybe you like camp near that basket. We trust you that you're not like reaching in or anything. I mean, just, you know, set your hand on the basket and say, and just have a point of contact there and say, in the name of Jesus, fear be gone. I'm no longer going to live by fear. I'm not a slave to fear. Lord, I'm going I'm to trust you with giving. I want to give joyfully. And, and please, you guys, please respond to that. If, there, if that red flag, if that rings home with you, where you're like, yeah, when I give, it's not joy, it's fear, it's anxiety. Let the Holy Spirit, there's something he wants to set you free from.